You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Hello, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now. My name is Kate Smith. I'm the founder of Journey Smith Shamanic Tools, and I'm your host today. If you were listening last week, you'll recall that Christina Pratt and I discussed the chemistry of creativity, and that podcast is available on iTunes and on the website for Why Shamanism Now for free. Today, I'm talking with Christina about creativity, but this time on a cultural level. We'll discuss the opportunities and challenges we face as shamanic healers and practitioners in writing the new story and in becoming the new people, that is, in creating a new culture. Both as individuals and as a society, we need change, and we need it now. But how do we do that in a good way? Christina will tell us about the skills we need to really give jet fuel to our transformation as individuals and as a culture. I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits. I call on the transformative powers of the South, that we all may be receptive to new ideas and new ways of thinking today. I call on the emotive powers of the West, that we may truly feel in our hearts the wisdom we need to hear and to speak. I call on the grounding energies of the North, that we may find the practical news you can use medicine that we can apply in our lives right now. And I call on the inspiring energies of the East, that we may speak, listen, and hear with clarity, insight, and foresight. I ask the earth below and the sky above to hold us gently. I invite the ancestors to join us and inspire us today. And finally, I call that heart with its power to unite the passions of the body and the clarity of the mind to manifest your soul's true purpose to be here with us now. And I ask for spirit to help say what has value and meaning for all that are listening to this show today and in the future. We'd like to thank all of our listeners who have donated to the show. Why Shamanism Now is 100% listener supported, and we're grateful for that. If you'd like to access the archives or donate to the show, please visit the website whyshamanismnow.com. Our guest today is Christina Pratt. And she'll be telling us about the shamanic skills we need for the new world, part one of a two-part series. And I can assure you that Spirit is very excited about this show. We intended to pre-record both parts one and two last week. We got through nearly three-quarters of the entire show when we learned that the recording computer had gone a bit haywire didn't record a word of what we discussed for the previous two hours, and in fact needed to be replaced entirely. Basically, we broke the computer last week. So that means we're live this week, and you are invited, perhaps spiritually urged, to call in 
at 512-772-1938. You can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email us at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. As the regular host of Why Shamanism Now, Christina Pratt isn't often a guest on her own show, and I'm really honored and excited to host her. Christina is the director of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing and the author of an encyclopedia of shamanism. She is a shaman, author, and teacher practicing shamanic healing for over 20 years. She's located in Portland, Oregon, and available for long-distance healing. Christina teaches three tracks of shamanic skills classes. The most fundamental are the life skills classes. The shamanic practice classes offer transformational experiences for healers and shamanic practitioners. The third track of teachings, the cycle of transformation, is a four-year shamanic training offered in a residential immersion retreat format. It's designed for people who are interested in thoroughly transforming their lives from the inside out. This track begins in July of 2015, and you can reach Christina through her website at www.lastmaskcenter.org. So I spent the weekend intending to prepare for this interview, but instead I wound up binge reading all three novels of the Throne of Glass series. Yep, that's over 1,200 pages of epic fantasy. If you're not familiar with the series, think Hunger Games, meets Game of Thrones and Middle-earth. How can you put it down? The heroine of the story is a highly skilled superhero type already when we meet her, and so you don't really anticipate her needing to acquire any more skills than she already has. However, she comes to a point where more is demanded of her, where she needs to transform herself, find new skills that she's unfamiliar with, reluctant to embrace, and actually afraid of, in order to fulfill her soul's purpose, which, in classic epic fantasy form, is to change the world. And as I finally found the discipline, or admittedly lack of reading material, (laughs) to prepare for our show today, it struck me that this story, well, that's us. That's us as shamanic practitioners right now. Because people with shamanic skills of all levels are incredibly powerful. And for that reason, we are uniquely poised to help make huge cultural changes that benefit the earth, humanity, and all beings. People with shamanic skills of all levels have the potential power, ethics, and responsibility to change the direction of our world culture, to dream a new dream, and to begin walking as a new people. People of integrity, authenticity, action, compassion, and heart Yet, are we stepping up to our full shamanic potential? Are we engaging with the spirit world at full capacity? And if not, and yeah, I'll be the first to raise my hand to admit that I've got plenty more to learn, transform, and embrace. How do we do that? What skills do we really need to dream that new world into being and to be the new people who look after it well? So, Christina... Before we start delving into where we're going and how to do it, we need to get an idea of the current shamanic soup that we're swimming in. We need a context for this discussion to to place us in history. So maybe from the shamanic perspective, could you kind of give us the current state of our shamanic launching pad? 
Well, I, th I think there's a couple things going on that, um, one, it's like we need to kind of slap ourselves and, and wake <laughs> up here for a minute. And then the other is kind of the, the bigger picture. And, and, and the first like slap ourselves and wake up here for a minute is for those of us that are not from um, immediately from traditional shamanic cultures. So that would be me. That would be you. You know, people whose ancestors left their shamanic roots hundreds of thousands of years ago, you know, that mm -hmm. we, we can't. It's a real stretch to claim our shamanic ancestry. We did not get raised by a grandma who taught us things, right? So so this is much of the contemporary world and much of people who are contemporary shamanic practitioners is we are of this time. So one of the things we need to do is wake up to the fact, and I'm including myself in this, we are children in this. None of us really has more than one generation of wisdom and experience in this. And shamanism is about, you know, in shamanism, across the board, it's not knowledge until you know how to use it, right? And we are mm -hmm. children learning how to use these forms. And so there, I, for, for my taste, you know, there's a few too many people walking around as contemporary practitioners acting as if the – 20 or 30 years they've been doing this makes the masters. We are beginning again. And that is one of the things we need to understand about the current reality of our time. We are not, com we are not like indigenous people, first contact, uh, you know, pre-contact first peoples who were living a life that was deeply in relationship with nature coming out of that experience with plants and animals and and if you didn't kill the food, you didn't get to eat it kind of life. And, and their shamanic practices rise out of a deeply embedded life with nature. We are not those people. And so part of it is really, we really need to wake up and remember, I will live and die my entire life and I plan on that being a long life utterly immersed in shamanism from the time I was 30 years old and I will barely know anything. And so if we don't start approaching our shamanic practices with that sense of scope, we are really missing the boat here, which is to recognize we are just children in this. And so we need to keep thinking about what we're doing. You know, we need to listen to spirit and let spirit guide us because, you know, it's not shamanism unless you're working in tandem with spirit. There is no shamanic power without a connection to the spirit world. And after we've done the work, we need to think about, well, what does that mean? How, how does that change my practice? How does that change how I understand the dead? How does that change how I understand the situation of my life? And so for my taste... There's not quite enough of that going on at this time. We are not naive in our practices anymore. We've been at it long enough to know exactly enough to realize what we actually don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my first, you know, shout out to all of us. And like I said, I absolutely include myself in that. I will die a child in this work. And I have dedicated my entire adult life to it and will continue to do so. And I will still die a child in this work. I have no illusions about that at all. Mm. You know, so with that said, if we look at the landscape then of 
you know, contemporary shamanic practitioners all, all around the globe, you know, we have, we have several different kinds, right? We do have practitioners who are coming out of a direct shamanic lineage, that this is how their people have practiced for forever, as far as humans are concerned, and they're still doing it. And, and thank goodness for these people. Thank all that is good and beautiful for these people. And then there's people like us who are also contemporary practitioners who are coming out of the contemporary world, out of the old story. And uniquely poised because we are immersed in the old story and we do get it, what is beautiful about it and what is really hideously stupid about it. Right? We get it and we're coming out of that. And so we need to understand how to practice as those people. But that is a piece of the contemporary landscape, right? And so, so in speaking then about those of us who aren't coming directly out of shamanic lineage, and I don't mean those of you that got raised in Chicago and in your adult life started traveling regularly to Peru and are now you know, practicing some form of Andean shamanism, which is a beautiful thing to do. But you're not Peruvian. You weren't raised in an unbroken lineage of shamanic healing. You were raised in Chicago. And and that means certain things about who you are, how you see the world, and in particular, how you see community. And we'll kind of come back around to that, I'm sure, later. So given this, if we look at these, these people, like myself, contemporary people who are part of this upsurge of shamanism at this time, which I believe is absolutely necessary, but we need to look at it. And, and I think the way I see it right now is it's like any other, um, movement of change, be it, um, you know, uh, the women's movement, civil rights movement, whatever we want to call that there are these waves of consciousness and and what was utterly unconscious in people's minds before becomes the ground on which this next wave stands and in this i am not implying any criticism for any of the waves right they are all necessary it is is necessary for the first wave to happen for the second wave to have a place to stand the problem is for example like we're seeing in feminism right now when you get to a third or a fourth wave where now they think they invented everything and they have no respect for those who came before them and this is one of the pieces of shamanism in general around the globe that i find um has helped me most in my foolish contemporary person behavior, Mm. which is to recognize it's not just about me and my soul's purpose in the moment. It's about doing it away, doing it in the moment as the living in a way that is connected between the ancestors and the descendants. So So another, yeah. So third wave, third wave feminists need to get a grip on what first wave feminists lost, sacrificed, so that they could stand where they are today and free their nipples on the internet. You know, I mean, get a grip, ladies. <laughs> so, Christina, tell us, like, what? How would you describe the first wave? So, put us in that context of, so of the, first, the resurgence of shamanism. Yeah. So, the first wave of shamanism is from people, you know, coming out of a. If we'll just talk about America. So, coming out of American culture, which is you know, Western culture, right? They don't think it's going to work, right? So they're coming at learning to journey, learning to begin, just barely begin to use shamanic practices from the perspective of, does this work? Do I have a helping spirit? Can I journey? 
will I, are my journeys valid? You know, this is a constant issue with contemporary people learning to journey. Am I making this up? No one teaches a class today teaching people to journey where they do not hear people saying, but am I making this up? That's who we are, right? And so first wave shamanism is coming out of this, oh my God, I have a helping spirit. Oh, oh my God, this answer actually resonates as true. And, and even more so, and oh my God, my answer from my helping spirit is helpful for another human being. Another human being I do not know from Adam. This is amazing and it is wonderful. And so out of this comes this, this coming together in journey circles. Maybe the journey circles actually have projects like we're going to go, you know, do some healing in the graveyard over there. We're going to go do some healing at the um, mental health institution over here. You know, whatever it is that they, they may use their skills to go do healing work so they go off in the journey they do blah 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 they come back and they share it and they talk about it and they go oh my god the synchronicities oh my god i can't believe you saw that too and oh my you know this it's this whole oh my god this is real yes it is and it's beautiful that people have been doing that and and because they have it was that much easier for you and me to do it to go learn to journey and to take it seriously. And it hasn't gone beyond that. So I go to my monthly journey circle. I have this amazing experience going off and helping spirits at the graveyard or helping people in a plane just crash or whatever it is. And then I go on about my daily business. And I might call in my helping spirit in the morning. But basically, I have not changed my paradigm for my life. I have just imported a new idea, which is I have helping spirits and I can journey and I can work with them and that can affect things in the world. So in second wave shamanism, what I'd like to think is that we're coming at it now saying, yes, shamanism works as the foundation for our beginning to learn and to grow. So I am not spending my time sharing my journeys with you because I trust I can journey and you can journey and the journeys are valid. What we're talking about is what did the journey mean and what are we going to do with it? And more importantly, not just what is this journey circle going to do this month over there in our local environment or because there was a tsunami or whatever it is. Not that that work isn't valid and important to do. But my, my hope for this second wave shamanism, because we don't have to spend so much time proving that it works to ourselves. We can go at it assuming that it works, assuming I have helping spirits, and assuming I can get some work done with this, is we can start looking at the ills of our culture, the big ones, the, the Fukushima poison in the Pacific Ocean, the damage, and, and the fact that fracking is even allowed – the fact that this banking travesty is allowed, the fact that we are not in any remote estimation of goodwill showing up for our vets coming back from active service, right? These are huge. Our medical system is so ill it doesn't even know it's ill. We have huge childhood obesity, all the problems that stem from lack of initiation of our teenagers into adult life. All of these things are huge cultural illnesses. And if we are the shamans of our time, 
I am hoping that it's not going to take the third wave. I am hoping that right here, right now, in the second wave of shamanism, we will step up as the shamans of our time and begin to, in in concert, together, and with sh- true shamanic communities, begin to address the illness of our time. That is our job as shamans is literally to stand there as the force between the people who don't have the skills, don't have the power, and the illness of our time. And and to make a difference there. And this is, this uh, obviously, <laughs> I have a lot of passion about that. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> so that, to me, is really where we are. We are poised from the blessings and all that has been given us by those who are who are deeply involved in the kind of the first wave shamanism to move into a more spiritual activism kind of idea in a second wave shamanism and really stand up validly as with other professionals in our time and become part of the solutions to the to the real problems of our time So, Christina, what do you feel are the biggest obstacles holding people in that, oh, my God, stage in the first wave rather than making the transition to having that kind of activism and uh, taking action on journey information and, and that sort of thing? So basically, the big issue is you can't take action unless you're in your body. Mm. Period. Right. I mean, there, there are beautiful things that come out of the connectivity of our virtual world that we share now. And all of the problems with it come out of the ways that people use that connectivity to not be in their own body, to not be who they truly are, but to behave as if they are someone else and to deceive. Mm. So, so, the, so back to the whole thing about we are not traditional people right? We're us, right? So we come out of a culture that very systematically over the last 5,000 plus years convinced us that our body was a bad thing and we shouldn't be there if we don't have to. And so we've learned to live in our heads and out of our bodies. And we bring that habit, which a deeply embedded cultural habit into our shamanic practice. And the problem with shamanism because it is all about being in altered states, which is, again, not being in the body. And interpreting that is that we don't necessarily bring the results of our altered state work in shamanism into the body and into the world. That's one problem with it, is actually translating our our journey work into action beyond, for example, the fact that my 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 shamanic healing practice where my journeys are on other people's behalf and the action is the healing that they might you know that they receive from that okay but but that's not enough that's that's for that to feel like enough is still first wave shamanism it's not enough because it's not addressing the cultural illness of our time so to me that seems like first wave shamanism for shamanic practitioners and healers you know, that's their basal level. You know, so they need to step up to the second wave. And what would that be for them? So part of it is recognizing we, we have got to change our own cultural paradigm that we live in, each as individuals, to choose to live in our body in a good way. Because the other piece of that, and this has been 
this has been one of the main reasons people don't study with me. <laughs> because from the very beginning of my shamanic life, because of training I had coming into shamanism, I understood that what we carry in our body distorts our interpretation of our altered state experiences because it it's distorts our interpretation of reality. So if I have unresolved issues from my childhood, I will absolutely, it is guaranteed, I will project them onto my everyday life. I will also project them into my journeys. And so if I am going to stand up here and presume to interpret a journey for another person, not as a peer, not just you and me, we just learned how to journey, we're going to do this and see what happens, but as a practitioner, I must have a deeply rigorous clearing practice to clear the history that I carry in my own body from my own experience in contemporary time on one hand and understand the fact that that will not exist in the same intensity in traditional shamanic practices because they didn't need it because they lived differently than we do. They came out of a different understanding of community and culture. And, and so we have to understand that, that we need to learn to live in our bodies. So we need grounding, boundary, energy awareness practices, which would have been second nature if you grew up in an indigenous culture. And we need a clearing practice to clear our experience of being from the old story. Because we are all, those of us living today are all raised up in the old story. So we need a clearing practice so that we not only become clear ourselves, but we don't distort our altered state experiences. And then the next thing is to choose to expand our sense of what the work is from those who come to see us as just as clients, but to really begin to understand it is our job to draw from spirit what humans have always drawn from spirit, which is an understanding of how to live in community. Because if I understand what's necessary to truly live in community again, it will change my internal belief system and structure. And I believe every practitioner working today needs to do these things. We have to change our internal operating system so that we stop being contemporary people practicing shamanism and we become shamanic people living in this contemporary time and truly living from a shamanic belief system. That's not an overlay on my cultural belief system, but it becomes my culture. And we're not there. You know, having a group of people that I did workshops with is not really a shamanic community. It is the closest thing most people have, and it's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it, but it is not actually a functional community. So, Christina, what would a functional shamanic community look like? So, a functional shamanic community is going to be a place in which, number one, everybody has an opportunity to learn to live their shamanic practices. And we're all learning to do that. And, and it is goes, much of it goes contrary to our cultural belief systems. So there's a lot of clearing, there's a lot of stumbling, there's a lot of making wonderfully flamboyant messes and needing to clean that up again. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like we are really children around this and we need, and grownups don't like doing things they're not good at. Right. And so it's really creating an environment in which grownups can be in deeply learning. 
So, so one is that it that a shamanic community is a place in which we are asked by our peers to step up to this set of teachings that we know. Okay. It also means that we as a community are stepping up to tend the main gates of life, birth, initiation into adulthood, and death, and that we have the skills to do that. Now, for all of that to actually work, we need to be functioning inside a belief system that is shamanic. We need a cosmology that holds us. So one of the reasons I believe people have been drawn outside of the U.S. to go to other countries to study shamanism, other than the amazingness of the shamans themselves, is to be in an environment where the shamans are practicing within a cosmology. Because the cosmology holds us. And it allows us to understand where we came from in a different way, how the world got here in a different way, why we are here in a different way than we were taught by our everyday American culture, which is kind of a hodgepodge cosmology. But it's also a dead-end cosmology because it's not circular. It's not regenerative the way shamanic cosmologies are. And so so the 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 piece that needs to come into people's shamanic practices is not is not only this relationship with putting in the time and energy to build a community around the work that supports each other in living in this way in our contemporary time but that the community is sharing a particular uh, a cosmology of sh- that that embraces the shamanic practices themselves So, in other words, without a cosmology, okay, shamanic practices are divinatory practices. They are question-driven. So, you can follow your questions and your answer and the next question and answer and just keep going off infinitely. If you're within a cosmology, if you're following that path of questions and you're and you're aligned well with the real issue you're going to end up with an answer which ultimately is an action that needs to be taken and that's lovely and that can happen now but if you're off that's the issue with us as and and first wave shamanism if you're off the mark because you haven't quite assessed the problem correctly so your question isn't quite right and your interpretation is a little bit off because you haven't really cleared your issues so you're biasing your sense of it i mean there's all these reasons we could be just a bit off and and so now we're going off sideways and if you think of a boat steering itself out at sea if it's just a fraction of a degree off in the beginning you would barely notice but if you keep going for a day you're like way over in the wrong part of the ocean entirely If you don't have a shamanic cosmology, you might not know that. You might go a really long time following following what you believe is a co-created path with your helping spirits without realizing they're just answering your questions and your questions are not aligned. But if you're in a cosmology, you can only go so far off center before you bump into one of the helping spirits that inhabits that cosmology that sends you back to center with something that surprises you, something that jars you, something that gets you to wake up from your stupor and realize you don't have a handle on what's really going on and you are leaving the center line. You are leaving the center of your life and your purpose. And so that's the big thing that is really missing in most people's shamanic practices 
is a cosmology that they can live in in their contemporary life. And so we have two issues in right now in kind of second wave shamanism, those who have been taught they don't need a cosmology or they actually believe that upper world, middle world, lower world is a cosmology. It's not a cosmology. It's a commonality that shamanic people share. It's not a cosmology. Or people that are trying to import a cosmology from another place and time into contemporary life, which may or may not work depending on your life, depending on how much room you have to maneuver. And so what I understand about the cosmology that I teach, one is it took me a long time to realize it was a cosmology. So, you know, again, child, <laughs> just a child doing this, just doing my helping spirits say, but you know, over the years coming to understand, okay, I get it. This is a cosmology. Okay. So with why, why would this new cosmology come through at this time? Back to what I said before, think about what you're doing. What does what you're doing mean, right? So I'm thinking, well, why am I doing this? Why are you telling me to do in this? Why, why am I given this by the spirit world to teach? What, why? And what I realized finally is because it is a cosmology for contemporary people. For people who did get told to sit down, shut up, be quiet, and stop talking to your imaginary friends. You know, people that are raised without a connection to their ancestors and given the dysfunction in their family, they're not sure they want one. You know, people that live, children raised where you ask them, where does food come from? And they say the grocery store. You know, this, we are not indigenous people in our culture. So we need a shamanic cosmology that allows us to engage these powerful shamanic skills from our current reality which is contemporary westernized people. So Christina, for those people who have taken a learn to journey class, um, who've gone through, you know, maybe refining their journey questions, but don't have a cosmology or perhaps even an energy clearing practice. So then, then what do you do? How do you get a container for all the questions that you're asking? What would be their next step? Sure. Well, you can do it the way I did. Or you can do it the way other people are doing it, which is many people are, as they step into their shamanic work, they are really authentically called to go elsewhere. They are called, well, they might be called to work with native peoples here in North America, and they might be called to travel to other continents and work with people in other cultures. And so I think of my friend um, Gretchen, who's this little white lady and California, right, who ends up traveling all the way to Africa to become a Sangoma. Hmm. So that's one way people do it. And I consider it completely valid. If you are called through who knows what, past lives, ancestors, whatever the story is, you are you are authentically called into a tradition that is coherent and exists today, bless your heart and go for it because it is a beautiful thing. And your biggest challenge is going to be importing that cosmology into contemporary American life or European life or whatever life you're living in. But, but the import out of the land and the ancestry that cosmology comes out of into an entirely different place because cosmologies come out of the land and the people on the land. So what happens when you export a cosmology well, what happens if, for example, you export a Peruvian cosmology or an Andean cosmology, which is all about the mountains, and you live in Kansas? 
what the hell are you going to do with that? Because you don't got any mountains. (laughs) And so you have to think about that. It's not that you can't do it, but you have to really think about that. How am I going to do this? And ask your helping spirits, how do I do this? How do I translate this beautiful cosmology I'm called to be part of into the land that I live and to work with the spirits of the land where I live? Because you, you, you have to work with the spirits of the land where you live. You can't be living in Kansas and working just with the Apus in the Andes. The spirits of the land where you are are going to be like, what the hell is your problem? You blind, you deaf, you dumb, you know, I mean, like, hello, <laughs> we're your neighbors or right here. So anyway, so that's one way. And, and it's beautiful. And I always thought people that felt called to do that really, um, well, I was always envious because I wasn't. But I was envious of that. I would have liked to have been. It seems that it involves a particular kind of affirmation of what you're doing that doing it on your own just doesn't have. But, oh, well. So here we are. So let's say you've learned to journey. And one thing I want to say about journeying alone is journeying itself works. I wish everybody in America, well, not everybody, but I wish almost everybody in America knew how to journey. Glad you qualified that. (laughs) Yeah. And just worked with their helping spirits to live a better life because that is really why they come to us is to help us to be better humans and myself included across the board we could be better humans all of us could step up and just be a little bit better humans and things would really change if every single human being in america took one step up to being a better person and our helping spirits could help us do that and that would be a great thing and this is what i love about journeying is you can use just that for the rest of your life and never pick up another shamanic anything. Okay. So that's a particular group of people that I actually support in learning to journey, using it, become a better person. But we're talking about practitioners. We're talking about people who either want to be involved in a shamanic community or identify as shamanic healers or maybe artists or, you know, ritual ceremonial people, you know, whatever it is, any, who knows. People that make sacred tools, whatever, right? I mean, there's many, many aspects of being a shamanic practitioner and within that a shamanic healer. Okay, so that's who we're really talking to. So what did I do? Well, I started at the beginning. I didn't – I wasn't called to go to another country and had I been, I couldn't have gone anyway. I didn't have any money. So what? I was going to use I don't have any money as an excuse? No. What did the first shaman do? There was a beginning. These, these amazing cosmologies and the practices that happened within them did not drop fully formed from the heavens. They came because people asked. They asked the spirits they were living with, how do I do this in a better way? How do I do this more efficiently? They asked, how do I do this? This is what it's about. And so for me, I thought, okay, what could I do to begin to create a, um, a, a map in a sense? Because at the time, I didn't even have the word cosmology in my head at all. But how can I create a map for myself so that I know where I am and what I'm doing? And how can I do that without appropriating anybody else's stuff? Because the last thing in the world I want to do is play Indian. I am not. You know, I'm a little white lady from Oregon, period. That's all I am. I'm not really very interesting. You know? So, but what can I do? I have to do something. I'm, I'm suffering here. So I said, okay, the deal is this. Nobody owns the four directions. 
And so that was the beginning of my cosmology. So that lays out nicely right into a little medicine wheel, north, south, east, west, little circle around it. And that sense of movement through the wheel and learning. And, and the cycle of transformation is built on a medicine wheel. It's more than just a medicine wheel, but it is built on that path through life and that understanding of moving through these four different, very different perspectives on life. And a medicine wheel is a beautiful way to understand life. Many, many, Whether it's a four-element wheel or a five-element wheel, it's a beautiful way to understand life. And you can begin by just populating your wheel with the directions and communicating with them first as helping spirits. Find out where do your helping spirits fit on the wheel. Add the four elements to your wheel. The elements don't belong to anybody in particular. Everybody uses them, so use them. So now you've got directions and elements and your helping spirits on your wheel. You have got the beginning. You've got what probably would be called in a shamanic culture a child's wheel. You've got the mm. beginning. Right. And then you add the above and below, you know, the obvious, right, the above and below and the center that connects it all. And, and you have the beginning structure because a cosmology is a multidimensional structure. It's at least three dimensions. Right. And so you have this, in other words, the space in which your shamanic practice can now begin to happen, really happen, because now it's contained. And it, I mean, one of the most powerful things shamanism has taught me as a practitioner is if you can't contain it, it isn't going to happen. You know, it, it, we need to contain the transformation for it to happen, like a crucible in chemistry. Exactly. Bringing the reactants close enough together so that they can exactly. do something. Right. And we need to be able to hold that space in a way that we don't start reacting with the transformation that's trying to happen. And that's... That's really the essence of learning how to hold space. But if we go back to cosmology, in other words, I'm creating a non-reactive container around myself that is fully supportive, that is willing to guide, that is willing to protect, that is willing to help me, but not react to what I am doing. So most people are grounded, for example, in their family of origin system. And it's very reactive, to whatever they're doing, right? <laughs> you know, and so you can't transform in that as a cosmology, one, because it's not a not a coherent cosmology, but it's so reactive that you you lose your own transformation because everybody's in in your business, right? <laughs> so the point is to create this this container around your work that allows you to to truly transform in it. That it is supportive and protective and it guides you but it's not reacting to you all the time. It's responding to you, but not reacting to you. And that sounds like a parallel for the type of community, a shamanic community that one might uh, hope to live in or perhaps create, where it's a container for one's own transformation, not just in ordinary reality, but in non-ordinary reality, but in ordinary reality. So then my question is, like, what does the individual practitioner do to, to start creating community or finding community? You know, how, well, how do you do that in American culture? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I also want to say that I am an enormous introvert. 
So the fact that I am an advocate for community is hard won. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone was going to be a holdout and say, no, that's all right, I can do this myself, it would be me. (laughs) So believe me, I am not saying this just because it's the cool cultural hip thing to say. I am saying this because... I dedicated 18 years of my adult life, which was at that time all of my adult life. (laughs) Well, well, almost all. There had been the dancing piece. But the gross majority of my adult life to bringing these teachings into the world because that's what I was guided to do by my helping spirits. Only to fail. And I mean Mm. that very seriously. Teachings are beautiful teachings. The teachings work universally. They're not just, they don't just work for me. It's not just Christina inventing workshops because this is what she happens to be going through in her life, which is how we get a lot of shamanic workshops. It's what the teacher is going through in their life and they create a workshop around it. And we get all these crazy stories about wolf love and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other thing as people make this stuff up. But my helping spirits have always been driving me towards the center of this cosmology. Okay, so my failure was that people loved the shamanic part. They loved the ritual. They loved the ceremony. They loved the art. They loved the dance. These are things that are all a big part of the cycle teachings. Lots of movement, lots of creating, lots of elemental ritual, and and learning how you as an individual can bring that force of elemental ritual into your life. Lots of ceremony. Everybody loved that part. The deep journeys, the transformations, all the self-discovery, the kinds of stuff we love in everybody's workshops. And there was 50% of the teachings people were not getting. Year after year after year, I got more and more skilled students, more and more dedicated students, and it still wasn't working. And so I asked, what needs to happen for these teachings, you know, for me to offer these teachings in a way that people can get it? You know, where am I? I'm failing. What? What do I do? And the answer was community. And you can believe I did not take that answer lightly or happily. And, and it has been a long, and it is still a long journey, but it has been a long journey to create a sense of community around, not a sense, to create a community, the structure of a community around these teachings so that people have peer support as they're learning the teachings so that they have not only the interaction with the people they're going, like the year that that they're the people, their cohort, the people they're going through the teachings with, but they have support of those who have gone before them. And for the things they feel like they're getting good at, they can reach down to those who are coming behind them and teach. They can lead. They can express the warriorship that is part of this work and become part of envisioning what what it could look like to live in the world in a different way. And so people are supported in actually embodying the teachings. As I said before, living in your body, grounding them on earth, bringing the teachings to bear on everyday life. Not just when we go away for the workshops and then we come back in our life and we're, we have that big workshop glow for a while and then it goes back to normal. Right? We're somewhat different, but our life is still basically lived in the same way. And so what the community does then is it gives people a way to ground these teachings in their everyday life and to begin to understand and trust letting their old beliefs go about how the world works. 
and bringing in the shamanic beliefs that come in riding on the answers to all of our journeys. You know, if we really think about the ramifications of the answers we get to our journeys, they're actually talking to us about a different way of understanding life. If you think about it, if you look at the sum total of your journey answers, if you could map it all out, they would, the spirits would be telling you, you contemporary American people are clueless. You're not getting it, <laughs> right? And that's the ramifications. What I mean about the ramifications of our answers, they're teaching us that there's a deeper reality here. And that we need to live in a way that is engaged with that deeper reality in a constant exchange of energy, which in Peruvian shamanism is called Aini. And so the community gave us a place to begin to experience life in that way. It gives us a place to experience life in that way together. And to envision becoming a community that has the skills to address the social ills. Back to what I was saying in the beginning, we have got to step up to these these deep illnesses running through our culture. And they exist in our culture because of the beliefs and values of our culture. This is not because there's good people doing the right thing and bad people who are screwing it up. That is not what is going on. What is going on is the structure of our culture, the beliefs and values of our culture are problematic. And we need to be able to keep what is good and true and beautiful because there are aspects of the dream on which this country was founded on that are really beautiful. And then there are aspects that are clearly problematic given the fact the country is also founded on genocide and slavery. <laughs> I mean, like, hello, let's wake up, people. This is real. And we are the results of that. And so there are aspects of our belief system and our value system we have to be willing to change. And that is not easy work. But the helping spirits can help us do that. But as individuals, it is the rare individual that has the kind of love and confidence and courage to truly make that kind of whole out change on their own. The majority of us need support. Mostly because the false self is so tricky. Most of us have the brave heart, actually. And most of us have the vision. And many of us can gain the skills. But the problem is the mind. We are so overdeveloped in our minds. It is so strong and it is so sneaky. And so to be able to really dismantle the beliefs and values in our in our cultural training that keep us from being the men and women we were really meant to be at this time, and in particular the shamanic practitioners were meant to be at this time, we need help. We need to do it together. And this is, again, I wish this wasn't the answer, believe me, <laughs> but it is. I mean, this is what I found, is it really is. And with that, with the community and the skills People are able to change things that our even our most progressive psychologists don't believe we should be able to change. And I've seen it before me year after year. Mm. And I also have a, a number of colleagues that I go to because I need support as well who have spent their entire lives in, psych, in the psychological fields. And they understand exactly what I'm talking about. 
And these are rich and nourishing conversations, I hope, for both parties. But, you know, this is the thing is we don't understand it all. And our psychology is really based on our beliefs and values. And if the fundamental beliefs and values are flawed to a certain percent, everything that comes out of them is going to be. This is why we need the help of spirit, which are not bound by our beliefs and values. They live outside of that in their own world that is not entirely turned sideways by our will and power. And this is why, I think this is why shamanism has risen at this time. But we have to move beyond the naive stage of, do I have a helping spirit? Can I get a good answer? Can we actually solve problems? To saying, yes, we can, we are. We needed to have done it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Experiments been proven (laughs) time and time again. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, and we can laugh at this because we both studied chemistry, but yes, it has been proven. Stand on it. It's solid. Do something different. And that's the thing. I, I, I occasionally get first wave shamanic people in my training and they don't last long because they don't, don't want to change. They're happy in that first wave shamanism. And, and the thing is, and people who are happy there should stay there and keep doing it because it's really valuable. The important thing is the belief that that is all there is, that that is the limitation of what we can do. That's the only problem with it. And, and it, because every generation is supposed to expect the next generation to take everything they've given them and go further with it. Right? And so that is what the second wave is supposed to do in the third and the fourth. But for us to do that, we, we need to step up in terms of embodying our practice. And it, see, these are all the things that are the core of the cycle teachings. Embodying your practice through dance, through art, through working with the spirits of the land, working with the elemental energies, bringing the answers of your journeys to bear in the process in your own life. It's, it's all about in that four years is a really short time actually to teach someone to truly live shamanically. And after that's been done, learning to do shamanic healing is really easy. It's very, very simple. And you're a person who should actually be doing it at that point. Well, the hardest part is transforming oneself. Can't see the forest for the trees. Always. In every profession, over all time. It is, it is, that is the human condition, right? The hardest <laughs> part is our own transformation. And, you know, and the beauty of shamanism, for those of us that are engaged in it, is it is a path of mastery. It will be unendingly interesting. And life-sustaining for your whole life if you give yourself over to it. But to give yourself over to it, you have to accept the fact is you don't know what the hell is going on. And you won't in your whole lifetime because there's too much going on. (laughs) (laughs) Our brains are too small. (laughs) And that's the beauty of a path of mastery is you spend your whole life at it and you'll get really good at certain things only to have your, your mastery of that certain aspect finally get to a place where you open a door and you go, oh my God, there's a whole other world here. There's that much more, you know? Even I mean, bigger than the beautiful. one you were in. <laughs> Even bigger, right? And that's the beauty of it. And that's the only problem with the waves through all of these different movements is the idea that one wave is, is, has mastered it. And we're in, in 
in, in the terms of transformation, nobody's mastered it. We're all just laying the foundation for the next group to take that and to go and the next and the next. And that is, of course, inherent in good parenting or anything is how do you support the next generation to go beyond you? Mm. And so, Christina, just uh, wrapping things up here for the skills that we're needing, it seems to me one of the most important things is having a container for your practice on one end of cosmology and then on the other end community. Um, An energy practice, energy clearing, uh, so that our journeys are clear and on point. And certainly if they're not, the cosmology uh, will send us back to the center, getting us back in our bodies. Um, especially that's especially hard in a culture that has kind of excommunicated us from our bodies for a very long time. And finally getting out of our mind and just trusting. Um, in an age of logic and ration, um, how do you trust the unseen forces in the end to get beyond the, oh my God, it's working stage? That seems pretty key. Do you want to add anything else to that? Well, I I think um, what ties it all together, you know, what is in the center of all of it is, you know, what ties it all together is our heart. Mm. And Beautiful. In our heart, many people actually carry a lot of brokenheartedness and woundedness. And so, so really, I think the great beauty of a really embodied shamanic practice of transformation is the opening and the awakening of the heart so that it can be that center that's connecting all those dynamics. And that, I think, is, in a sense, the heart of the cycle teachings, is how do we become the clear heart that those spirits are looking for when they initiate shamans. Mm. And so I think going forward for part two, uh, we'll be talking about wave three, uh, where we go from here. So Christina, thank you for being a guest on the show today and for inspiring us all to jumpstart our transformation and to begin, Thank you, you, Kate. Oh, goodness. It's an honor. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of inspired to just run back and start journeying and, and get going myself. <laughs> I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Large or small, each donation is deeply appreciated and help keeps this show on the air. I'd like to give thanks to the ancestors for holding us so beautifully here today. For the earth below and the sky above and the four directions for their wisdom their medicine and protection. And finally, I'd like to thank the energy of the heart. As you said, Christina, the heart that unites us all. You can subscribe for our weekly e-card show reminders at www.co-creatornetwork.com. The shows are available at the show website, www.whyshamanismnow.com and on iTunes through the iTunes store for free. To contact me, Kate Smith, about creativity or shamanic power tools, including drums and rattles, feel free to check out my Facebook site, Journey Smith Shamanic Tools, or you can email me directly, journeysmith2012 at gmail.com. To schedule long-distance healing with Christina Pratt or find information about her upcoming classes, go to www.lastmaskcenter.org. Registration is now open for Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self which is the entry class for the four-year program, Cycle of Transformation Teachings. 
This residential intensive runs July 5th through the 10th, just outside of Tucson, Arizona. And thank you all for listening.